0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain Jean Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Captain Jean Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Star Trek podcast by two guys who kind of wish they weren't even doing a Star Trek podcast at this point. I'm Ben Harrison.
1: I'm Adam Pranica.
0: I logged into uh, Canadian and UK iTunes uh, the other day. I can't remember which one it was, but one of them had like two or three really angry reviews about, uh, about our show saying really? that we were real assholes for saying that we were embarrassed to like the show and that w- all we were doing was shitting on it and laughing at our own jokes. <laughs> uh,
1: that's, that's pretty accurate, actually.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that that's sort of what we're putting out.
1: Five stars for accuracy, <laughs>
0: and we'll just take the the four off the top as tax and apply them to your iTunes review.
1: Hmm. Well, I don't think uh, anyone from the UK has any standing to criticize anyone else for embarrassing choices. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> Speaking of reviews, we're uh, probably. I mean, I don't, when we when this episode comes out based on the rate that people have been going on and reviewing our show, I think we've uh, almost certainly will have crossed the 500 review mark on the uh, U.S. iTunes store. It's true. So I just want to say, like, this is your last opportunity. I would say at the end of this week, we will close the window for people to get in their screen grabs of their reviews. And sending them into Drunk Shimoda Plus Contest at Gmail dot com, and uh, just to, just one point of clarification: we have to see the review on the iTunes page uh, and not as you're writing it. I know it's easier to take a picture when you're writing it because it doesn't show up immediately, but it would, it'd save a, it'd save us a ton of work if you could. <laughs> Just wait to take that screenshot so
1: <laughs> our basic mission for this podcast was just to save us a bunch of work in general yeah like, we have really, what's the uh, least that we can do
0: we've really fucked that up big time <laughs> We're like oh people like it when we drop in clips let's edit tons of clips into the show.
1: Hey, if you're thinking that uh, you have no chance of winning this t-shirt, I'll have you know that there's I mean there's probably about 35 entries at this point. Yeah. So, I think those are pretty good chances. People have gone
0: real hard on leaving the reviews and left off the part of taking the screenshot and sending it in. So, uh, your chances are decent.
1: Yeah, this is some real pod on pod conversation right now. That uh, here's the thing like, I typically skipped a clip show anyway if I'm, if I'm just watching it on television. And if you're a podcast consumer, I imagine you're not listening to this show either. So we could do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like uh it's like being on stage with nobody in the audience. It's kind of liberating in a weird way.
1: Yeah, I think we could get really weird with this one. This <laughs> may work and it may be uh a terrible defeat. Yeah. This this may cancel our show. Mhm.
0: Yeah, if the network gets wind of uh of what we're doing here. They might pull our funding. Yeah. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something
1: everyone knows. So
0: this is episode 22 of season two, Shades of Grey. The notorious last episode of season two that was really, it was really just a challenge to fans. Like, I dare you to keep liking the show after we do this shit to you.
1: I had not seen this episode since I was little, and, I mean, its reputation is massive as a towering failure, but as I was watching it, I was surprised at how much meat there was here. Like, you're 20 minutes into the episode before we get our first clip, and that surprised me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it appeared that of... they sort of tried halfway before yeah. completely giving up.
0: Well, I think the two places that it fails are, one, I don't think that the tracking order of the clips is great. Yeah, yeah. And the other is I feel like the drama between Pulaski and Troy trying to treat Riker really gets repetitive after a while. Yeah. And, And that is kind of a shame. Other than that, like, it's not the worst premise for a clip show. I mean, it's not like they're sitting in the living room of their sitcom house going, remember the time, and then just having a random clip from
1: a yeah, previous season. there to. are way worse examples of this format out there, and that, that was a big surprise to me. Like They clearly had some budget here to use, because let's just go into the episode, and I think, I think yeah. you'll be able to tell uh, where these opportunities are.
0: So the, the episode opens up on one of these opportunities, which is a, an outdoor set. I mean, it's, it's a set, but it's like about as good of a jungle as you're going to get on television.
1: And it's got running water, which is extremely expensive.
0: Right. And uh, it's Riker is like sitting on the bank of this, of this creek and Geordi comes up to him and Riker is just like, he's just in a mood. He looks and like
1: sad Keanu. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. He's eating a muffin. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, some of the dry muffin falls out of his mouth. Yeah, and he's got a big gash in his in his left ankle. And Jordy does that thing where he like puts on a stance, like he's really looking at something. You know, when you really look at someone for the first time. <laughs>
1: He uses his his uh, thumb and pointer finger to like touch the side of his visor, like yeah. like squinting is somehow helping. Yeah, he's changing
0: the focal distance between <laughs> the lens and the element. Yeah, a- as we do in filmmaking all the time, right? And so, because Riker has been injured, I guess procedure is to beam him up to sickbay, but the computer is throwing up an error message because it's detecting. Alien bio in his body. And so th- the doctor insists on beaming down to check him out before she can sign off on, on breaking this quarantine procedure that uh, is like the first time we've heard of this, but it seems like a good idea. Uh,
1: noted transportaphobe, <laughs> Dr. Pulaski uh, mounts the transporter and gets totally O'Brien in the process. I hope these are the right coordinates. Just getting Doctor. Yeah, and she's
0: like, nice job wisecracking on my deepest fear, you fucking prick. <laughs> 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 and uh, so she beams down, and she does detect that there's something going on in his leg, but she doesn't feel like there's a good enough reason
1: to just leave him to die on this planet. They've <laughs> so, uh, beamed up way more dangerous shit than Riker with a cut on his leg. Yeah. Like, without even thinking, they've done that before. So they beam him up. They take him to sick bay, and
0: he's kind of in. Isn't this ridiculous that this is happening to me? Emergency room mood. You ever been? Have you ever been in the ER or like with somebody in the in the ER that's
1: like this? Yeah, that seemed a little familiar. He was uh, he was kind of jaunty about it in the yeah. best way. When er, early when we were dating, my wife
0: uh, was cutting an avocado to make herself a salad and got a very bad cut on her. Uh, finger that she needed to go to the ER for, and when I got there uh, an hour later, like they let me in, and uh, I just saw her like down the end of a hallway being pushed on a on a on a wheelchair, and she saw me and just like laughed hysterically because <laughs> she was like you know embarrassed and trying to you know have a good time with this ridiculous situation, and I feel like that like Frakes. To his credit, really like nailed a a a real thing that's not the obvious thing. your wife without. was in
1: the avocado ward of cedar Sinai <laughs>
0: yeah, actually Beth Israel, but
1: uh sure. you had the right idea, <laughs> yeah, and I mean this isn't a surprise to anyone, like uh like Rikers and great spirits, that's sort of his brand,
0: yeah. <laughs> Riker Riker on brand. So they need to figure out what this thing is because it's like not a virus and it's not a bacterium, but it is like both.
1: And it's growing.
0: Yeah. It's spreading along his neurons, and she can't. There's no operation because whatever the like thing is, it's fusing on a molecular level with the with the, uh, the neurons that it's attacking. so
1: If there's one crewman on this ship whose vascular system pumps with such efficiency that it could, like, <laughs> speed along uh, some sort of molecular invader, it's definitely one Will Riker. Sure. Yeah. He's lucky it didn't stab him in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that vine could have been more powerful than anyone could imagine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh... So- to investigate this, uh, Geordi and Data are going to beam down and they have a little argument in the transporter room about whether Data should just go by himself. And uh, Data, once again, is trying to sacrifice himself on everybody else's behalf. And uh, This is another
1: opportunity to drop a limb on some planet for Data. Yeah,
0: Jordi finally talks Data into letting him go to... They, they beam down and they find a vine and Data's gonna grab for it, and he's cl- d- definitely like, "This is limb limb drop opportunity, if ever there's going to be one on this planet." And Jordy's like, "Careful, Data," and he says, "I'm always careful." Jordy should have been like, "No, you're not." Yeah, that sh- that should have been the line in the script, right?
1: <laughs> it's totally like two guys at a bar, and one of the friends is like, I could, "I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have a fifth beer, no problem. I know I have to work tomorrow, but like." Uh, Fifth drink, Mm -hmm. it's all good And Jordy's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) You never stop at five
0: Yeah, now they're outside the bar And and he's like, I think I'm going to sit on this guy's motorcycle Yeah
1: (laughs) Jordy's like, no! (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Jordy's doing his best to be a wingman here But uh, it doesn't stop Data from grabbing for the vine
0: Data is an ugly, ugly side when he's drunk, but he grabs it and it, like, it definitely like tries to lash out. And they turn it over, and it's got this real gnarly tiger claw of a thorn on it. And uh, Data like wrestles with the vine to keep it still while Jordy excises it with the uh, cutting setting on his dustbuster.
1: Yeah, and. The part about this scene that was hilarious to me is uh, Jordy grabs the thorn with a roach clip. (laughs) (laughs) So he grabs the sample. They don't put the sample in anything, he just holds onto it with the roach clip and then they beam up. Yeah,
0: he waits. I think he has a little box, but he puts it in the box in the transporter room when when they get back into orbit.
1: (laughs) It's very strange. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like it's very sound science. By either of them at that point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there are both six beers in, so, you know, in their defense, maybe they're not thinking as straight as
1: they could. Right. <laughs> they got to get amped up for their trip down. He just kept
0: talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to pin It was really quite hypnotic. So Picard is following the doctor around six Sick Bay and uh, Six Bay, <laughs> Six Bay, that?
1: none the richer. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: they're hanging out in Six Bay and uh, and they kind of keep going back and forth between her office and Riker's bio bed, and the doctor's trying to explain to the captain what's up, what the prognosis is. It's not good. Riker is definitely going to die unless they figure out a way to stop whatever this infection is
1: and they and, aren't even close to that.
0: Right. They don't know thing one about this and uh and Picard is like stressing. He and Riker have like a pretty heartfelt conversation in here. And Picard is like really uh emotional about the fact that his 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 bestie is on the brink. But uh he asks the doctor if there's anything he can do to help and she, she really zings him for being a bald. <laughs> <laughs> she says You can get out of my hair. (laughs) And his response is, is like the
1: only time I've ever heard him use sailor lingo. He goes, hi, hi, doctor. This is like, this is the scene where shit's about to go down. Yeah. And it feels like Picard's saying a little bit of a half goodbye without the patient knowing that he's actually saying goodbye at that moment. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... Like you, you know, never he, you never want the person you're visiting in the hospital to know just how dire you believe the situation to be.
0: <laughs> yeah. So although Pulaski is like not afraid of saying that he is his life is in grave danger around Riker. I mean, she's not holding back. She's never
1: been Pic- known for a bedside manner, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Picard maybe more so. Yeah. This is an episode that made me wonder if it was Meant to be more or less in real time. Did you get that? Like, there's no... Yeah, there there was mention that he'd
1: be dead within the hour unless they found a thing, which is a super convenient time frame. Right, because
0: that's that's how long an episode of television is meant to transpire over.
1: Hey, Ben. Yeah. Why didn't they just take the leg? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, You mean and give him a data leg to... To substitute
1: or yeah or whatever the the pirate leg equivalent is in the 24th century like I think they could have saved his life pretty much immediately if they just sawed off the leg right and they resorted to some Civil War doctoring
0: I don't know maybe maybe it was also in his blood system so it was attacking his his neurology more generally yeah. But specifically, it was, it was making big inroads via the leg. I don't know.
1: Yeah, as it starts moving toward his groin, I think that, uh, that idea flies out the window. Right. Although
0: they did, uh, I mean, we just, we just found out that the man that got the world's first penis transplant used it to, to make a baby here in our time. So we would imagine that a penis transplant is no big whoop.
1: Hundreds of years in the future, right? Did we just find that out? Is that a thing that we did? Yeah. Are you saying you didn't find that out? I don't think that's something I was involved in or read about. (laughs) But thank you for sharing. It was a big news article. I don't read those Reddit threads. (laughs) R slash dick news. (laughs) You got to get on R slash dick news, man. So, one of the drugs that Pulaski uh, pumps him full of is tricordrazine. Yeah, that's where they they take a tricorder and they put it in one of those blenders from
0: YouTube. That seems like a super
1: unimaginative name for a drug of the future, (laughs) I
0: thought. They make a fine powder out of it, and then they they macerate it in
1: some uh, ethanol. If you're having boner problems... I feel uh, bad for you, son. <laughs> Torpedialis might be right for you. <laughs> uh,
0: cool joke, Dad. <laughs> The infection is advancing, and shit is getting tense, so they wheel over this this rig of brain
1: needles and uh, it 's sort of like um, you know like the immobilizing cage if you have a a, a severe neck injury they 'll they 'll put the cage around your head and they 'll actually screw it into your skull like that 's a that 's a modern medical device that i 'm sure you 're familiar with this is sort of like the horizontal version of that if you're if you're laying in a bed the way Riker is,
0: yeah, and uh this fucking thing scared the pants
1: off me when I was a kid, yeah, yeah, the effect it, is really good of the needles stabbing into his head, yeah,
0: they're like maybe like six or eight needles that are meant to be going into his brain, yeah, and uh and so what they're trying to do is stimulate his brain uh, and the idea is that. Active neural patterns will resist the virus for some reason um, <laughs> we aren't meant
1: to understand that
0: yeah so uh so this has the effect of uh putting him into a dream a dream state, and so this is our first like kind of uh, cross dissolve as push it as the camera pushes into his face and we go into Riker's head they beam down and something on the planet surface has caused the transporter beams to scramble them all over the planet's surface so uh, Riker uh, finds himself totally alone on the surface of the planet and there's this very weird scene where he like goes out onto a cliff <laughs> and yells Adam! He then just turns and walks away from the cliff and finds <laughs> everybody in the other direction. Like, um. he basically
1: does that thing where he screams into a thunderstorm. Also, uh, major props to the to the set dressing department, breaking out the dry ice uh, in, a, in a real <laughs> yeah, big-time way.
0: Totally. I think it's the first kind of primitive or undeveloped planet surface that we see in the whole series. So this is like... This is the unveiling of the, like, styrofoam rocks and, <laughs> and very close-up psych that become kind of watchwords of uh, exterior set design in Star Trek The Next Generation. That's
1: our first clip, everybody. Yeah, should we maybe intro how we're going to do this from here on out? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Because yeah, I thought you were talking. <laughs> it, was, it
0: was very disorienting for me. Yeah, so we thought we would, rather than play the clips that they play, we would play the clips in which we talk about the clips that they play (laughs) Uh, in the clip show. So this is our meta-clip show.
1: We should drop in the, the drop of Data talking about how to strategize against Riker in that War Games episode.
0: Knowing that he knows that we know that he knows, he might choose to return to his usual pattern.
1: Wait, wait. You're overanalyzing data. Because this is this is the Mobius strip of Greatest Gen episodes right here. Fair enough. We need um, a transition sound too, don't we? Yeah, it could be this.
0: Although that's sort of the that's sort of the sound effect of Greatest Gen Con twenty seventeen.
1: Yeah that <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, that just happens automatically every time. That's definitely that.
1: the brand of Greatest Gen Con twenty
0: seventeen. I think uh I think we're in complete agreement on that. Um, <laughs> yeah we could uh we could use the uh, we are
1: hemorrhaging l- listeners right now <laughs> <laughs> we
0: We could use that uh that Wayne's world
1: sound effect that I
0: used on an episode a few uh a few weeks ago where they go
1: let's do that that'll work okay, so one of the first memories that Riker gets is his first meeting with data, and uh that of course comes from the first episode of the show. We have a couple of favorite parts from our first episode of the the podcast, uh, which I think we're going to play for you now. And for some reason, Picard big dogs him into doing it manually, whatever that means. We soon find out that reconnecting the the saucer and star drive section manually involves just telling O'Brien and Data uh, how fast to go and at what angle to approach. It's the most low stakes... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, manual way of doing things ever and when he does it successfully everyone like turns around and looks at him admiringly like oh my god your your instructions were so clear
0: he told us to turn three degrees to the left (laughs) like a pro like a fucking pro
1: oh man like just further establishing like you know Picard might be big dogging him right now but like we know who the swinging dick of the of the bridge crew is and it's definitely Riker William T <laughs>
0: Right there's then a scene where Picard and Riker are meeting up in the uh observation lounge and Picard continues to like really be a shithead <laughs> to Riker uh about this issue of the captain not going on away missions, which is basically just a scene to establish that, unlike the original series, the captain will not be constantly in needless harm. And then they also like plant that Picard hates children in this scene.
1: Ben, I've got to ask you something before we get off this scene that has just... I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'm going to support the statement, all right? Okay. Does Riker have any reason to believe that Picard is not a pedophile based on what he tells <laughs> him in that room? <laughs> because the way he says it... Starfleet has given me
0: a ship of children aboard. Yes, sir. And I, uh, I don't feel comfortable with children.
1: And the way he acts towards Wesley when he finally goes in, into the bridge later. Like, yeah. Do you remember what he says?
0: I knew your father, Wesley.
1: It's a classic get in the van line. It's hey boy, I know your father. Yeah. It's okay I want to look around. It's I mean, it's pretty messed up. And yeah. if you were interviewing for a job, Ben, and like upon getting that job, your your new boss, the boss is like, boss "Oh, stood yeah.
0: staring out the window saying, I don't feel comfortable with
1: children." How is that <laughs> not a a classic uh, I'm a pedophile but I don't want to tell you I'm a pedophile sort of move?
0: It is a full-blown classic, I'm a pedophile move. And, uh, boy, it's given me a lot to think about. What a beautiful memory, Adam.
1: Yeah, it's really great uh, how early we ruined the show for a lot of people. (laughs) Like, right out of the gates. (laughs) And that would be a recurring bit that we would go back to again and again.
0: Yeah, that's really the the joke that keeps on
1: joking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Everyone feels good about that joke. (laughs) Yeah. That that joke hasn't cost us drama in the least.
0: (laughs) uh, I still think it's really funny. (laughs) Yeah, me
1: too.
0: So this is not helping Riker's situation at all. Oh, no, I guess it's helping a little bit, but they decided to, like, tweak it tweak it up or whatever. So, and, uh, like,
1: what's happening here is uh, Pulaski's sort of running the ones and the twos, like, working the mixture of the drugs, and Troy is there to sort Troy's of interpret... On, on the mic kicking the rhymes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's there to sort of interpret what's happening inside his head because uh, there's no way for Pulaski to know what's happening there without Troy. So she's sort of interpreting uh, what the drugs are doing to his mind. Right. And, and that's and sort I, of a fun interplay, I guess.
0: Yeah, she, like, Troy can kind of report back to Pulaski, like, what kinds of dreams Riker is having. And uh, as they as they work through this, they work out that, like, one kind of dream is... Wet. Su- ...super unhelpful, <laughs> and one kind of dream is more helpful. Uh, the super unhelpful kind are the boner dreams, <laughs> I will call them. Uh, and they start rather delightfully with him uh, trying to kick it to Guinan. <laughs> do-do-loo, do-do-loo, Riker and Guinan put on a little play acting scene in <laughs> Ten Forward where Riker puts the, the smarmiest, most lecherous moves on Guinan that I think we maybe ever see in the whole series. Like this this might be the defining moment for Riker's character as as somebody who claims to be able to smooth talk women and what he does when we actually see him in action is so fucking horrible.
1: I love this scene so much. It was like watching two champion tennis players just rally for yeah. for like five minutes. Like they are just shooting dialogue back and forth. In like such a charismatic way, I dug it. I, I was not creeped out by it at all. I thought it was hilarious. Well, here here's the question. And, and I sort of like in retrospect th- thought about
0: thought about it in a different way. What is your read on what they're doing? Are they a, doing an honest depiction of what it is like when the two of them are in a bar looking to pick somebody up, or B? were they kind of putting one over on Wesley and playing a practical joke on him. This is how you pick up women. Then you're
1: inviting me in. I'm not sending you away. That's more than I expected. Is it as much as you hoped? To hope is to
0: recognize the possibility. I had only dreams. Dreams can be dangerous. Not these dreams. I dream of a galaxy where your eyes are the stars and the universe worships the night.
1: I absolutely believe it was B. They are enjoying it so much. Yeah. that they could only be making fun of Wesley to his face. Because, look, like, what Wesley's asking for isn't something that anyone else can give him. Like, like there is no... There's no such thing as credible relationship advice when you're 16 years old or whatever. Like, right. you go out there and you get your heart broken a bunch, and that's how it happens.
0: Like, Right, and everybody tells you, like, oh, this is gonna suck, and you're like, ha, ha. and then you go and find out it really sucks, and...
1: Yeah, and I think that's I think that's their way of dealing with Wesley's request, rather than giving him like the adult truth, which is yeah, you just sorta of get your reps and you figure out who you are and then you figure out who someone else is and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. Like that is not as satisfying as play acting a <laughs> playacting a non sex introduction to like a cinemax movie. Like <laughs> Like it was so great. And, like, I feel like both actors, I feel like Frakes and Goldberg in this scene, like, lay, they let the mask slip just a little bit. Like, yeah. I feel like you're seeing some real joy from them in this scene in a way that you don't see it in many other parts of the show. Like, I would have loved to to hear the oral history of this scene. <laughs> uh, I, I would have loved great. to just
0: walk, walk past Frakes' star wagon <laughs> after they finished shooting it and watch it bounce up and down on the suspension (laughs) so squeaky (laughs) if this trailer's rocking don't come a-knocking
1: oh man good times god you know if if we're getting dinged for being a show that laughs at our own jokes this is the (laughs) most this is the most concentrated version of that form I mean... This is
0: the good stuff right here. This is the, uh, yeah, this is the rarefied joke laughing at. This is the uh, uncut joke dope. This is us really delivering on the promise of our show, thinking is, we're real swell.
1: This is joke <laughs> masturbation.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the story with Shades of Grey is that they're saving money, right?
1: That's what we're told, but is that, is that revisionist history...
0: I I think I read that, like, the Borgs episode and one of the other ones from this season, they kind of let rip, and by the time they were at the end of the season, they were like, fuck, we, ha- we don't have any toe left. We got to do something cheap. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this it's sort of like the opposite of what's happening to us here, because we uh, spent a lot of time preparing this, and <laughs> you are... You're right to observe that it's a pretty masturbatory exercise. <laughs> Very true. Should we get on to the next clip?
1: Yeah, uh, the fourth clip in this first section uh, is is an emotional goodbye scene between uh, Riker and Troy, but viewers of our Viewers of our podcast might also remember this episode for a really fun scene involving Worf and some pain sticks. Doodly loo, doodly
0: loo, doodly loo, doodly loo. Worf's bar mitzvah is—it uh, involves him walking down this central channel as the Klingon warriors standing above him hit him with the the pain sticks.
1: I travel the river of blood. Ah!
0: we just got an email from a listener who found his wharf toy from when he was a kid like the wharf action figure included some pain sticks and he took a picture of these and they're just like comically dildonic looking in the uh, in the kenner plastic uh representation of them there it is lo- no
1: other thing they could be besides yeah. giant dildos
0: like, like they must have, like, repurposed them from some hentai action figure from Japan, right? You know? Like, they're like, oh, we got a, a bunch of purple dildos that scale to being about four feet long. What are we going to do with them? I don't know. Throw them in with the wharf toys and make them pain sticks or something. <laughs>
1: Oh man, and this—he uh, sets it up in a little diorama where it's like Worf and Riker, and they're both staring at each other, holding these giant dildos. It's kind of a perfect scene.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like Worf and Riker have made one holodeck program that they can both really get into.
1: <laughs> Imagine the scenes you could act out with those figures and those props.
0: It's really beautiful. Yeah. So he just walks down the middle of this channel and gets gets stickified and uh, yells a lot of shit in English and Klingon. The
1: fire of the vanquish blows over my hands. Oh, oh. oh. oh man. I'm sure you're really going to enjoy editing this one. <laughs> uh, just us laughing at our own shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is the point in the episode where they realize that the memories they're playing uh, are a little too benign, and they decide to turn the settings up to sex. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Which is a funny thing to see Troy reacting to. She's like, "Oh, I'm I'm used to this not just being a mental stimulation."
1: I think when you think of sexy Star Trek episodes, there's none sexier than uh, season two, episode eight, Justice. That's not season two, is it? Yeah, I think it's season one. We should talk about how these aliens look. These uh, these Edo, like, these yeah, are not, we should. These are not fish people. No, these are, these are not dog people.
0: They're described as almost identical to us uh, I think in the uh, beginning of the episode so they're and they are all blonde, so it's like kind of a Aryan master race of aliens um, it's, uh... <laughs> The women all have curly hair, and the dudes all have just kind of like eighties blonde dude haircuts, but they all are basically wearing like like handkerchiefs that have been tied together strategically to hang off of their bodies yeah so
1: like if you were if you were gonna sit on any of the furniture i think you'd want to put something down first that's that's the level of coverage we're talking about
0: yeah this is like this is a level of coverage where like if this was a main cast character on any tv show at any point if they got as naked as these people are it would be like a very sexy moment in a television series uh but these people are all just kind of running around like this uh that's their that's their normal way of life. They have a very hedonistic lifestyle. They all planet.
1: look like Cinemax adult film stars. Like Oh yeah,
0: they definitely like, like there's a just lot of
1: good looking enough that they're like on the line of severe looking. Yeah, know? there's a
0: lot of Early 80s era boob jobs yeah. on display. Yeah. <laughs> a
1: lot of Tory spelling level uh, boob jobs. I would yeah. Say. It's
0: like, it's sort of like uh, any, any like CG alien in a film in the like post Jurassic Park, but pre, I don't know, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like avatar era where it's like uh like i can see where you're going with this boob job but it's not quite plausible
1: <laughs> it's like a weird combination of like hitler's final solution fantasy <laughs> and like late night softcore pornography yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah. real weird uh,
0: yeah. but
1: everyone seems real nice like that's another part of it it's not like like they look like they're filthy porn stars but they right. they are like sexy Mormons they're really right. <laughs> they're really nice and innocent sounding and they and like they I don't know like there isn't that undercurrent of filth that you might associate with it's not uh, seen. With how we're describing them
0: yeah yeah they, like they, they the, are the number of moose knuckles on the dudes in this episode is like <laughs> is so fucking upsetting like it's like it's like almost like like Almost all you can focus on is just like wow, like you can really see like the outline of the tip of his dick, right? In this
1: costume, yeah, it's it's like so much putty.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that uh, that inspired a a very negative review on uh, on iTunes, and uh, I don't think we could really play the moose nut clip without playing this this following clip. Sure. (laughs)
1: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Hey, this is Adam and Ben with a special message for you. I think, first of all, we just want to thank everyone for all of the nice reviews we've received uh, over the last week especially. But uh, something was brought to our attention, Ben, and I think think you're the best person to address it.
0: I'm very upset about this, Adam. Uh, Some person has gone on iTunes and left a review that takes exception to our usage of the term moose knuckle in Ew. the episode about the edo in which wesley is running around with the kids and uh, falls into the flower patch and is put to is nearly put to death over it
1: let me read to you the message ben that we uh, got on our itunes review subject line moose knuckle one star <laughs> by jimbo 925 Hey, Beavis and Butthead, moose knuckle is used for a woman's private parts, not a man's. Think about it. I really don't uh,
0: agree with that. I think that if anything, moose knuckle refers to any situation in which pants are bunched up around genitalia in an amusing way. (laughs) And uh, if you go on Urban Dictionary, I feel like that corroborates what I feel about the term.
1: I mean, yeah, you actually have an Urban Dictionary account. Like, you you actually have to log into Urban Dictionary. That's how into it you are.
0: I just feel like this is a huge miscarriage of justice, and if I just don't think that we should have to suffer this one star review because some idiot doesn't doesn't like our usage of the term moose knuckle. <laughs> In many ways, it's my favorite review we've ever gotten, but I don't yeah. like that it's only one star. And I, the only way I can see to. Uh, claw back at some justice for us is if everybody listening right now goes to itunes and leaves a nice five-star review to bury this essentially
1: yeah let's hold it underwater until the bubble stop
0: yeah and go ahead and go find that <laughs> review and uh it asks if the review was helpful click no and report a concern <laughs> if anybody is uh is rocking nuck, it's this guy
1: yeah yeah, exactly. So uh, so let's get this thing wiped off the page. I think it's a bunch of bullcrap.
0: Do the right thing, listener. Go to iTunes. Help the greatest generation write this horrible, horrible wrong.
1: So it was written, and so it was done.
0: Yeah. That was the first time that I felt like people were really on our side with this show. Because, you know... We- we did take a lot of shit early on, especially like in various comment sections about not being real Star Trek fans because we were expressing times we, we felt ashamed or embarrassed about uh our show or our fan relationship with Star Trek. And uh the, like the our listeners really came through for us in a huge way. It was so awesome.
1: I think that was the first time we really felt the awesome power of our listenership and and the responsibility we have to wield it responsibly, yeah, <laughs> because we really we blew that review off of the internet, like it no longer exists, and the guy actually yeah. wrote to apologize, <laughs> which was great <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, in in many ways, that guy gave us a beautiful, beautiful gift that day uh what's next for Riker's? Porno dreams.
1: Uh, so second up is a reference to the time that the Enterprise got jacked by the Bynars. Uh, this episode also oh, featured yeah. the character of Minuet. What a babe!
0: Not many of the crew's left aboard. They've all kind of gone onto the Starbase, and Riker and Captain Picard and just the the skeleton are all kind of like engaging in some in some leisure activities and. Uh, you know, of course, Riker is going to go check out the holodeck uh, if uh, if he has some time off.
1: <laughs> it's like when the parents leave leave the house, you know, to a teenager. All of a sudden, like, holy shit! I, I yeah. I've got all this beer. I've got I've got the parents' liquor <laughs> cabinet, and uh, right, and I have all this time to masturbate.
0: Right. Yeah. the The odds of somebody walking in on me while I'm in the holodeck have dropped through the floor, and. <laughs> That's about as good as it gets, but he gets down to the holodeck and there are a couple of binars working uh, outside it, and so he has to call up a program under observation uh, (laughs) by strangers, which uh, I feel like really limits the kind of creative license that he would otherwise
1: take you can see him like sort of searching his brain like improvisationally like uh uh new orleans uh yeah <laughs> uh jazz yeah, jazz so club he, J- jazz club yeah, yeah. jazz club uh, th- <laughs> that seems
0: in in <laughs> innocuous yeah. Enough. Yeah. So he calls up a jazz club, calls up an audience, and and a and a and a combo up on stage with a trombone for himself, or as he calls it,
1: piano, bass, and drums, and a bone for me. The computer's <laughs> got to be so confused at that request in that moment, like, <laughs> yeah, contextual error. Please re-request. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: The, uh, they had to cut this for, for syndication, but originally a huge dildo is uh, materializes on stage. And he goes, no, 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 I'm not that kind of bone.
1: <laughs> I'll be providing the bone around here. Now I'll need someone to play with.
0: He doesn't want it to be crowded, so he has the computer dial it back so that there's just one super hot blonde babe in a red dress. And then he says, uh, blondes and jazz seldom go together. So the blonde, he, I guess he's not uh, about disappears, that. and and a redhead appears at a different table. He's uh pretty pleased with that, but decides to dial it into a more sultry woman. My name is Minuet, and I love all jazz except Dixieland. Why not Dixieland? You can't dance to it. My girl, boy, is she easy on the eyes?
1: He could have just told the computer, I want a girl that looks like one of the mobster's wives from Goodfellas, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah. and could have saved himself a bunch of the request time there. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Really brings back memories, Adam.
1: You know what's great about Shades of Grey is that they show the passage of time, in terms of, like, how much sweat is on Riker's body as the episode <laughs> progresses. Did you notice that? Like, so yeah. they've got Riker up on the table, and he's covered in a sheet, a a uh, like, a sequin sheet, a sequin yeah. future sheet. Yeah. And, like, they've got... The only kind of sheets you got in space. They got it pulled down a little bit uh, to reveal his prodigious chest hair, and they've, like, squirt-bottled the shit out of him at this point. Like... He's getting sweatier and sweatier as he begins thinking more and more about all the space chicks he's banged. Uh, and one of, the, one of the scenes they show is when, uh, when he bangs Sarah Connor from the Terminator 2 franchise on the Angel 1 planet. <laughs> one of the most fun scenes in the whole episode is, uh, is he's, he sets up a meeting with, uh, with Sarah Connor and, uh, and Sarah has some clothes sent to him. So, yeah. so Riker's in, in the little condo with Troy and Tasha, and they're like, you're not going to wear this, are you? And Riker's like, of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course, I do this all the time. I was on that one planet wearing feathers, and I was on that other planet wearing, like, spiky shoulder pads. Like, he, he, like, lists <laughs> off all these examples of times where he's worn crazy shit. You're not going to wear that. Of course. Part of this mission is diplomatic. I have requested an audience with the head of state,
0: and I will honor her by wearing... Indigenous apparel. Oh,
1: I don't believe this. You're going to put that thing on and parade around like one of them?
0: Why, what is this attitude? On On Cabatras, I had to wear furs to meet with the leadership council, and on armist nine,
1: I wore feathers. So he ducks behind uh, the partition, puts on the costume, and it is like, it is awesome. It, yeah. uh, it's a plung- oh, it's a plunging V that would make the American apparel people blush, like it V's <laughs> it V's all the way down to the crotch, and then but it patterns sort of,
0: and colors that would make them very excited.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it exposes just the left nipple. Yeah, uh, and boy, like as prodigious as, as a as a man who cannot grow a beard, I I see how hairy one Commander Riker is, and I'm like, God, I just wish I could do that like very envious of uh yeah. of that going on so he's like don't worry uh i've got this i've got this cool costume and a meeting set up i'm gonna keep it professional
0: so he goes <laughs> out
1: he goes out to hang with sarah connor who like immediately puts the moves on him like in a pretty pretty evident like shit's gonna go down right yeah they lay on the bed they're talking together Riker actually calls what he's doing diplomatic relations which is great like it's almost like smile mm-hmm. and a wink at the camera before turning back to Sarah Connor and making out and they do one of the classic naked gun transitions like they don't they don't dissolve to an oil derrick pumping but <laughs> or a they, train going into a tunnel <laughs> but they do they do like a two second like a full two second dissolve to a campfire while we're back with uh, the ramsey's character <laughs> yeah. yeah. oh it was that was really nice i enjoyed that scene quite a bit <laughs> listening back to this we've made fun of the
0: show a lot for uh doing retreads of prior concepts and i'm realizing that we do that so much more than on the show we're the worst offender seriously next clip space irish (laughs) but they do get down like this uh this really does cut to a train entering a tunnel and an oil (laughs) derrick pumping like yeah it's pretty uh it's pretty hot and heavy between them
1: yeah uh riker wants to give her a tour and I think we all know what that's code for—a <laughs> tour of his dick yeah, and sure. balls. Man, boy, it's like you knew that clip was coming.
0: It, it's all well. I I didn't know. I didn't know what we said in it, but I was just thinking you had said "prodigious chest hair" in the process of setting that clip up. I and, know. The, <laughs> crazy. I
1: am locutus a You will respond to my questions. I am as a You
0: are bored. Troy and Pulaski realized that. Making Riker want to fuck is making <laughs> things worse for everyone
1: it's It's so, making the virus grow in addition to everything else so they uh they
0: need to remodulate what they're doing to his brain to send his emotional state in the opposite direction on the logic that maybe that will uh that will turn this thing around so the first thing that he starts dreaming about when they do this is uh, our our farewell episode to Tasha Yar.
1: I think we both agree that the character of Tasha Yar has had many highlights mm-hmm. in her career on the Enterprise. Uh, unforgettable highlights from a fully developed character, I would say. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I took the liberty of putting together uh, an in-memoriam reel of some of her Greatest moments, and uh, oh, really? Yeah, I, uh, I think sort of like the Academy Awards in memoriam montage. I think it's only right <laughs> that we take a moment and remember our fallen bridge officer, Tasha Yar. I don't believe this. You're going to put that thing on and parade around like one of them? <laughs> I'm in a penalty box. <laughs> data you are fully functional aren't you of course but how fully (laughs) it doesn't feel artificial (laughs) until the drug works off then you pay the price (laughs) she's dead oh (laughs) i feel like i really came into my own as an editor of this podcast on that (laughs) episode (laughs) Yeah, that was sort
0: of the baby episode of this episode, which is proving to be a real armis of
1: an episode. <laughs> the thing that kills everything good about the show. Yeah. yeah. So the uh, the memories continue to skew negatively. As... Yeah. And
0: you would think that Yar buying the farm would be the most negative thing, but it's not. It's uh, It's not even close, I guess.
1: Yeah, what could be more negative than a fellow bridge officer and friend dying in the line of duty? Of course, it's Troy getting pregnant. (laughs) Deanna's pregnant. And then it's dun-dun-dun music. Yeah, and then... What follows is the most awkward pregnancy McLaughlin group ever. (laughs) (laughs) Issue one. We're in the conference room with all of the bridge crew and... Off by yourself is Deanna Troy sitting at the very other end of the table. And what we get here is a really skin-crawly conversation about what they should do with the pregnancy.
0: It's like all the dudes on the ship suddenly think that (laughs) it's their place to weigh in. And, you know, they they sort of line up along uh, very predictable character lines. Worf is like, kill it, kill it now, kill it with fire. <laughs> they Worf
1: wants to basically like <laughs> drop her off at Kaiser. Like, like, like yeah. he is, he yeah. is like so stone cold about this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Don't date Worf if you're 16, ladies. Once they sort of get some encouraging results with this, they they start to really like dial it up to 11, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, if if being sad is driving this virus towards uh, towards slowing its growth, what would what would anger do? And that's where they start showing some clips of some ass kicking, both received and given.
0: Pretty early in his in his appearance on the Klingon ship, the uh, the second officer, Clag, is uh is is really starting to kind of test Riker's boundaries and, and test his commitment to the to the uh to the challenge he has taken up. And uh it it winds up being that Riker has to like sucker punch him and knock him to the floor <laughs> in order to like get him to shut the fuck up and leave him alone.
1: He does that thing where where he like accepts an insult, like averts his eyes for a moment, and then like beats his ass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, which which is sort of like I'm I'm a little surprised that that isn't such an obvious telegraph. Of what's about to happen, right? Yeah, you would
0: think a Klingon... I guess a Klingon probably would never like faint away from a fight. Yeah. So, ma- so maybe that's a total new one on on Clag. Like he's <laughs> never seen this particular <laughs> stunt pulled in any bar fight.
1: Yeah, Riker basically acts like he gets the vapors and then like stiffens <laughs> up and kicks the shit out of him.
0: Yeah. Uh, and and he really a fun like little fight flares scene. him. Yeah. I think Jonathan Franks is starting to demonstrate himself to be like, he can really sell a fight.
1: Yeah, a couple times this season they've given him, like, compound fight scenes with, like, multiple moves. Like, the guy can do it.
0: And it wouldn't be an episode in which we're talking about fight scenes if somebody didn't go through a glass table. (laughs) Riker shows Quinn to his quarters and... I think he asks him about what is in his uh, his trapper keeper. And uh, Quinn's like, oh, this was actually for the doctor, but, uh, you know, we can make uh, I could show you. It's actually a superior life form. And Riker's like, what do you mean superior life form? And Quinn's and,
1: like, let me show you. Yeah. <laughs> Zip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he opens up the trapper keeper with that Velcro sound, that... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so Riker's like, you're acting
0: real weird And, and he, he tries to leave and Quinn's like It won't like your science officer It does like you And quickly starts to put a whoop on Riker I think Riker tries to throw the first punch But Quinn just throws like one of the greatest roundhouse kicks of all time
1: this fight scene is so great because yeah. they don't even try to obscure that they're stuntman.
0: No, yeah, this is definitely the same guy that they use when Data is dodging lasers, <laughs> like, just with, so awesome. with with gray hair instead of green tan.
1: Just an ill-fitting wig, yeah. an ill-fitting uniform, <laughs> and, and he's a bunch like, of axe kicks.
0: Yeah, he's like about 60 or 75 pounds lighter than Ward Costello, the actor that's portraying Quinn, but... Uh, God, and
1: Riker just gets the shit kicked out of him. Yeah,
0: he really earns earns the nickname Gregory Roundhouse Quinn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I miss Gregory Quinn. Yeah, me too. You think he's still an admiral? We haven't seen him since then. I hope so. I like to imagine that they sort of demoted him into a desk job somewhere where he can't hurt anyone. Commandant at the academy? Yeah. I am the cutest aboard. Lock pages on that vest. I am the cutest born. They're really getting some positive feedback from all of these negative emotions. So they very quickly go into all of the memories that Riker has of him getting his ass kicked and nearly dying. And there are several. (laughs) (laughs) Like
0: uh, like this one from uh, Symbiosis. Uh,
1: In the last episode, he gets encased in that in that uh, clear shield that Echo Papa 607 shoots at him. <laughs> and then uh, this time around, uh, T-John uh, gets him in the, in the iron claw, the electrical claw, and, uh, and holds him hostage.
0: Yeah. it says this man will die if, uh, if you don't give me my drugs. And Picard's like, nah, you're not going to kill him. You're not a killer.
1: So, uh, so Frakes, listen. You remember that last episode where you just stood really still and you had that scared look on your face? We need exactly the same thing this time around. Can you do it?
0: We also uh, got to revisit the really weird episode where we meet the Ferengi. The surface is covered in these crazy crystal structures and the crystals are the reason that energy is being dissipated and absorbed by the planet uh, when the Ferengi away team starts attacking them by flinging uh, lightning bolts out of these crazy blue whips,
1: yeah. If there if there's one like style of weapon that you want, <laughs> you know, for aiming at someone far away, you definitely want its method of discharge to be like whipping it around your head <laughs> and and sort of snapping it across yourself. Yeah, super accurate from the the fifty yards that they were shooting him.
0: Well, maybe uh, maybe on Ferenginar they train them from from youths. You know, you're learning your your rules of acquisition and you're learning your whip scuzzils.
1: Maybe the most disgusting scene of the selection is definitely when Armas drowns Riker in his pool of blackness. Riker's talking shit to Armas. He's he's really like. He's not playing his games anymore. He's, he's ready to show him who's boss. Uh, but Armus turns the table on him pretty hardcore by dragging him into his goo. Yep.
0: This is a really intense scene. It's like Riker gets pulled in and like we see all of his body and then just his hand sank into the goo which is an awesome effect it's so scary looking like to think about being submerged in oil like that like I don't I have no idea how they shot that
1: you know you see his face and his eyes and his mouth are open and that's the scariest part like the idea of the goo just going in your mouth like that like gross I'm trying to imagine what it's like as an actor to like read ahead on the script and go holy shit like I'm going to have to take a dip in some goo on a couple of these shooting days. I'm going to have to be full body submerged in glop. In yeah. uh, I read in the production notes that Frakes gets pulled into the pool and then he gets completely submerged, but they surface a plaster resin head uh, modeled on Jonathan Frakes' yeah. face. And so they sort of push that up through and then drag it back down. So that's the effect that we see in the cut to close up. It really works great. It works so much better than any other effect in this show. Yeah, it, because because it's practical, yeah, right? Go figure.
0: Like I've I, I worked as the camera guy on a music video one time where we were using some black goo and it was like coming mm-hmm. out of a character's mouth, and it was really like like deeply upsetting. Even you know when I was there when they were like mixing it and it's there's something so fucking upsetting about what that looks like.
1: Yeah, there's something instinctual about that color coming out of a person yeah. or a person being covered in that because color. Because it's so unnatural.
0: Like, uh, it's this otherness.
1: Yeah, but Freaks just fucking goes for it. Like, he's dragged into the pool, he's screaming his head off, and he gets submerged, and uh, he gets real dirty.
0: Yeah. Riker finally knows what it's like to be on the receiving end of being drenched in goo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was a world-class button right
0: there. Yeah, that was... Uh... I, I thought about cutting that clip a little shorter, but I felt like it would be a shame to leave that bit off. <laughs> you uh, you
1: if, couldn't fully release until you got the end of that bit.
0: <laughs> so uh, proving that Riker is a mind and not just a, and not just a set of nervous reactions. Uh, one of the scariest things he's had to do is set the self destruct on the ship. Just a pretty abstract fear. I feel like it's not like being dragged by it. A creepy alien but uh that's the next clip we're gonna set this shit to self-destruct and then see what's going on so they go down to engineering and it turns out setting self-destruct is uh much easier than i remembered i thought that they were gonna have to like put in a bunch of codes and stuff but it's literally like they stand on either side of the engineering console and Picard says, "Set the ship to self-destruct." And the computer asks Riker if he's down with that, and he's like, "Yep." And then, and then that's it. They don't have to put in Omega O one. It's
1: easier to launch nuclear missiles in Crimson Tide than it is to to destroy a starship in the future.
0: Man, I just think about the self destruct scene in uh, in uh, whichever of the movies that is. I guess that's. Uh, was that Star Trek three? Maybe. Yeah. And they yeah. blow up all the Klingons. So much better. And that's Star Trek three. That's a bad movie.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, I guess I guess the Federation learned some things from that experience, mostly that they need to make it easier to blow up a ship.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Smooth things out. Yeah. All right. Well, the last and most scary scene. Uh, that Riker fully experiences is from uh, the episode Heart of Glory. What they come to find is a crew of three Klingons, one of whom is severely wounded, and uh, as they find them, the, the reactor on the ship starts to go critical. There's a pretty tense moment where Yar runs down to the transporter room to try and beam them off the ship and uh you sort of wonder if it was so important for her to be on the bridge before why she's now in the transporter room when they have people who have the title transporter chief right on board the ship (laughs) um but she is uh she is just barely able to get them off this ship before it goes ballistic
1: well i mean we see the ship explode Right. And then a couple seconds later we're gonna expect like her to beam in a bunch of like wet red mist <laughs> under the transporter pad. Uh, but luckily she's able to to capture them and bring them yeah. home.
0: Yeah there's a there's an abortive attempt where she she runs the transporter and it quite can't quite get a lock so it was uh, is real touch and go there. I think that after this they just show like a bunch of shots of different phaser shooting and punching and exploding and whatnot but it's never like a long enough clip to have something to say about it.
1: Yeah, they throw a montage here toward the end when yeah. when things are getting at their worst. And uh and it's basically shooting phasers, people getting punched and kicked. Uh, and every ship that they've blown up on the show so far, they show blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of more than I remember.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you compress the like 40 whatever episodes that we've watched, it does seem like there has been a lot of action when in fact there has not. Right. Right. Um, One thing I really respected about uh, Troy in this episode is when when Riker was having all his boner memories. None of them centered around her. Yeah, and she didn't she didn't like take that too personal.
1: No, I think she's realistic. She knows yeah. uh, she knows Riker's a man about town, or yeah. a man about the galaxy.
0: <laughs> the man about the holodeck.
1: Yeah, uh, <laughs> she's not yeah. going to change him.
0: Well, anyways, we've probably spent. Enough time talking about this fucking episode, uh, so we should just get to get to Riker being saved.
1: Yeah, uh, it's the montage that finally drives the virus from his body. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you're going to need a montage if you if you get sick. Sure. So he's safe but sweaty
0: at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, he's clearly woken up, but they don't know how much of his consciousness is intact so as they start to like you know hold up fingers and and ask him questions Picard and Data walk in and they say do you know who you are and he says of course I do I'm Captain Jean-Luc Picard and uh that is the that's the slide whistle for the end of (laughs) the second season
1: yeah it's like they wanted to take their viewership and totally de-escalate how excited they might be in seeing a season three Like, let's set some expectations here, you guys.
0: Right, which is ironic, because season three really sort of picks up on the promise of some of the better episodes of this season, I think. Yeah, it's a real head fake. Yeah, yeah, it's like Neon Dion, making you think he's going to go one way. Uh, That's the end of the episode. Did you have any other... I mean, not that there were any scenes that we didn't talk about extensively, but did you have anything else you wanted to talk about?
1: Uh, No, did you, Ben? Ben? Manage somehow to find yourself a drunk Shimoda in this clip show. Who is not the smartest one? Smartest one. Let the boy take over control. Shimoda! Who you make the warp drop hum? Warp drop hum. You gave up the ship to a child. Shimoda! Drunk Shimoda! Take important stuff, stack it up, doesn't give a fuck, everybody's drunk, and Tasha Yars getting robot hump. Ben, 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 LOW! No! Drunk Shimoda! Drunk Shimoda!
0: I think I have to give it to us on this one. I think we get the drunk Shimoda here because we did a ton of work digging through old episodes to find the right clips to play. And uh, didn't really do the math on what a long, uh, drawn-out, self-congratulatory exercise this would wind up looking like. And uh, I'm a little bit embarrassed at the moment. I'm a lot embarrassed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the best we can hope for is that everyone who enjoys our show skips this episode and doesn't hold hold it against us. Yeah, We produced this episode with a large amount of help from our listenership, actually, who like posted to uh, yeah. Reddit and replied on Twitter with some ideas of some clips to use. So,
0: Yeah, uh, we really appreciate the help. Uh, I think that we would especially have appreciated if somebody had just said, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. Yeah, just skip it. Don't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, where were you guys then? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my uh. Shimoda, God, I hate to do this. But it's got to go to Rob Bowman. Um, <laughs> but, but here's the reason. Like, we, I think we've referred to his comments about this episode as not being as negative as they really could have and should have been. Right. Uh, why didn't he go Alan Smithy on this episode? I totally would have. Alan Smithy exists for this very reason. Explain. Uh, Alan Smithy is the pseudonym for Embarrassed Directors. Uh, oh. It's it's what it's the name that is chosen by either uh, directors who have seen a project through to the end and then have seen its final result and decided to <laughs> unattach their name from it, right? Or they leave in mid-production and then have um, a rando direct the end of it, and then they they just use Alan Smithy as a name to ascribe to to that to that duty, the director duty, so...
0: Yeah, I, I guess I've heard of that in the context of feature films, but I don't know if I've ever heard of it for a television episode. Maybe it, the guild
1: rules are different? Yeah, I don't know. It seems like if there was ever a time to do that for television, it would be this one. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I gotta, I gotta tip my hat to, to Rob for, like, <laughs> he stayed the course, and he still, <laughs> like, he made an episode around this. Like... There's some real, there's like, real connective tissue here, and it was not as bad as I remember it being.
0: Yeah, I think it's a more sincere take on a on a clip show than almost any clip show that has ever been done, and I, I would even say that uh, like the performances that he gets out of Frakes and Marina Certis and Certis or Certis, I, I never know, and uh, Diana Muldaur even are uh, all really kind of on point like yeah it's like like
1: no one told them that this was a clip show and they still gave it their 100 which was admirable yeah
0: one of the amazing things about making the greatest generation is getting to see all of the cool creative stuff that the friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode people send in handcrafted stuff all the time And they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
1: A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose
0: topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast secretly incredibly fascinating
1: find us by searching for the word
0: secretly in your podcast app and at maximumfun.org.
1: did you want to play more clips in this episode or did you want to go ahead and end it
0: i think sh- we should uh I was gonna say quit while we were ahead, but that's totally inaccurate. Um, I think we should. Uh, I think we should let people get on with their miserable lives and uh, move on to the end of the episode.
1: Move on to season three. How about that? We yeah. made it through the first
0: two seasons somehow. The next episode is episode one of season three: Evolution. The crew fights for survival when a mysterious force attacks their ship's life su- support systems. Do you remember this episode, Adam?
1: Uh, not at all. At all. Not one bit.
0: (laughs) Uh, well, I remember it's got a lot of Wesley Crusher, the boy, uh, in it. Um, I can't quite remember, uh, if this is, is this the Nanites episode, maybe? Is it? I think it might be. Maybe Uh, not. Maybe it's something that they, like, pick up out of a star- star trail or something like that but uh i feel like i feel like i feel like it might be the nanites episode
1: it's a Winrick colby episode which may or may not have anything to do with its quality we know him as the director of the season finale and like about a dozen other episodes yeah
0: what is the uh what does the critical response have to say
1: one reviewer wrote, There's nothing actively wrong with this episode, but nothing that really stands out about it either. Oh, great. You really want to come out of the blocks on a new season with, like, an episode... solid
0: three out of five stars. Yeah,
1: just a real C-plus episode. <laughs> That's well, great.
0: Uh, would you use
1: uh, a newly reinstated veto Oh, it? I just felt the tingle of my veto powers return. Uh, no, we've got to see the first episode of a season. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, um, I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to get out of season two and hopefully into some better episodes. And certainly there will be better episodes of our podcast to come. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, it'll be hard not to make an episode that's better than this one.
1: <laughs> there is no one listening right now. Do you yeah. feel... Uh, you feel a little bit of freedom about that—you could say anything, Ben. Yeah, no one could, will care.
0: We could close the show without even thanking Dark Materia for our music, and nobody
1: would know. We could close the show by by saying that uh, no one could talk to us on Twitter using the hashtag Greatest Gen, and nobody could follow you at Cut for Time or me at Benjamin R. A-H-R. Nope. Nope, there's there's nothing to talk about on Reddit at either uh, <laughs> R Maximum Fun or Our Greatest Gen. There's nothing to talk about here.
0: Move along. There's no reason to log on to the Facebook group, Greatest Generation.
1: There is no reason anyone should help support our show by going to maximumfundorg slash donate. Like, this probably encourages people to withdraw any sort of uh, donation <laughs> yeah. to us.
0: Yeah, so we, we wouldn't want to bring that up. No. You know, it, this is sort of like the tagline of the film Alien. In space, nobody can hear you try to get people to donate to your podcast
1: (laughs) now and uh and on a clip show podcast that's doubly true
0: if there was anybody to even say this to which there isn't i would say we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of star trek the next generation and also an episode of the greatest generation but since nobody's listening that's really an act of utter futility so i'll just say
1: good, good night adam uh speaking of acts of utter futility that was this episode of our show. <laughs> Good luck with the edit.
0: Oh my God. It's so fucking long right now.
1: MaximumFun.org.
0: Comedy and culture. Artist owned.